This morning, Joanne and I are going to preach a message. And you know what? Her name is the title of our message this morning. Joanne Grace. It means Jehovah is gracious. Or Jehovah gives grace. Boy, I've been planning this sermon for, let's see here, nine months plus six months. And, um, and the men picked out this song, and, and yesterday I was, I was texting around saying, what are the men's ensemble singing? They haven't submitted it yet. And, um, and then it got submitted, and I'm like, oh my, is our God providential in planning? He giveth, he giveth more grace. That's the meaning of this little one's name. Jehovah is gracious. Jehovah is gracious. It's my prayer that this little one will grow up to know that truth, to know that reality personally in her own mind and heart. And it's my prayer that each time that I see her, that I think upon her, that I give thanks not only for her, but for Jehovah's grace. In a sense, her name has special meaning in how she came. You may recall that the one that came before her is named Jedediah. And this morning, he's up in heaven. He's with Jesus. For Evelyn miscarried him at just 10 weeks old. Jedediah means Jehovah loves. Beloved of Jehovah. Here now, I have Jehovah gives grace. You know, that miscarriage was really hard in our family. It was a struggle. It was really hard. And it's interesting because where the name Jedediah comes from is in 2 Samuel chapter 12 when David and Bathsheba have a little boy. And they have that little boy after, after they had lost the child that had been conceived in adultery. And in David's prayer for that first baby, he prayed and he sought the Lord whether the Lord would be gracious unto him. In fact, when he was actually asked regarding why once the baby had died, he was able to rise up and go about his business is because he was able to recognize that God had answered his prayer and that God chose to take the life of that little one. And it's interesting in looking at David's response to it that he recognized even God's grace in taking that little one. He asked the question whether or not Jehovah, the Lord, would be gracious. Do we know the answer? 
I think we all know intellectually that Jehovah is gracious. I think we know in our minds that Jehovah the Lord gives us grace. And oh, how incredible that is when things are going well, right? When things are good. It's easy to give thanks in those times. But is it as easy to give thanks in the hard times? He giveth more grace in the hard times. It's fascinating throughout Scripture. The graciousness of the Lord is revealed repeatedly through children. Long time ago, you may remember Jacob. When he was coming, he had all his family with him one day. And the question was asked, Who are these that are with thee? And do you remember what his reply was? His reply was, These are the children which Joanne hath graciously given thy servant. Lord, graciously given. That's the phrase that the Hebrew name Joanne comes from. Now, it didn't sound like that, the phrase exactly, but it's a shortened squishing together of those words. Jehovah Yahweh, Jehovah grace. Jehovah gives grace. Jacob understood that children were such a gift. Throughout Scripture, children are described as a treasure, as an inheritance, as a gift of the Lord, as his, as his gift. And this little one is such that I call her my littlest treasure. See, I have lots of little treasures, and this one's my littlest treasure. And mommy's the biggest treasure in our house. Yes, little treasures to daily remind us of the grace of God. Not just in the great, wonderful times, but also in the hard and difficult times. Do we avail ourselves to God's grace? Do we draw upon Him, trusting Him in the difficult times and in the good times, knowing that His grace is sufficient and His grace is good? She's informing you all that she's hungry. I had to postpone and delay what she was expecting to go eat. So I'll turn her back over to Mommy now and let her go eat. Right? Do you, do I, rest and trust in Jehovah's grace. 
Could you take your hymnals and turn with me to hymn number 41? This is a beautiful thanksgiving hymn. Now thank we all our God. The word grace, it's so closely tied to other concepts. It's the root word used in several other words. Really, grace is an idea, and it's an interesting word because it is so familiar to us, but its literalness, its graspability is kind of tough. It's a little hard to give a concise definition of grace. And the reason for that is because grace is so rich. The word, of, the word grace describes a richness and a depth and a breadth that's hard to explain. That's why we write songs about amazing grace, wonderful the grace of Jesus. It, it's, it's, it's in a sense beyond comprehension. But the root, root word comes down to an idea and concept of gifts, in fact, in your Hebrew Bibles, the same root word used and translated grace or gracious or mercy uh, also is the root word for the word supplication. It's the root word for receiving a gift. It's the root word for giving a gift. It's tied into those things that we give and those things that we receive, those things that we ask for. It's intriguing to me that it's a part of supplication. Normally, when we think of grace, we think of receiving grace. But grace also has the idea of requesting it, and it also carries the idea of giving thanks for it. That's why sometimes you will hear people, when they gather around the table, they will say, let us say grace. Well, what that literally means is, let us say thanksgiving. Let us say thankfulness. This song here written, number 41 in your hymnals, Now Thank We All Our God, was written in the 1600s by a pastor in Germany. He was a pastor who lived during the height of the Thirty Years' War that had a major impact in his town, his village, and his family. And this song he wrote as a grace for his children to recite each day. As a poem of thanksgiving to recite each day. And it's fascinating, considering the history of it, of how he wrote it. Look with me at the words. Now, thank we all our God. 
with heart and hands and voices. A thanksgiving that is given to God, and it's all who give it. And it's not just in words, but it is from the heart, in the actions, and in the praise of the lips, in the voices. He goes on in the next line to say, Who wondrous things hath done, in whom his world rejoices. Did you know that Thanksgiving is an incredible and amazing response to trouble? In fact, if you're having a troublesome day, give thanks. What's fascinating is even the secular modern psychologists have been able to discern and understand this fact. For when they know that people are having a rough day, they tell them that they should have and look for ways to find gratitude in the littlest things of their day. And that's a secular perspective. It's true, though. Biblically, we find it over and over and over that in the midst of trial, in the midst of difficulty, those are the moments in which we give the most thanks. That's when we find thanksgiving. Here, it de he declares, who wondrous things hath done. Here this is things God has done. He has done wondrous things, and he says, in whom his world rejoices. Now let me place you in his time when he wrote this. It was at the height of the Thirty Years' War. The town that he lived in was overrun with refugees and injured troops and soldiers. It brought about fear, overcrowding, disease, and pestilence. The conditions in that small town became deadly. Continually overrun with the refugees, some having no place to go further, some finding no food, continued on looking for food. Food was scarce. Martin Reichard could hardly find food for his own family. But as he did, he also sought to give food to the refugees and to those who needed it in his neighborhood, in his community. Many of the other pastors in the town fled because of the disease, because of the shortages of food, because of all of the troubles there. But Martin stayed on. <laughs> Picture these circumstances and now look at the second line of this first verse. Who wondrous things hath done in whom his world rejoices. You might think he was writing this in the height of the millennial kingdom. But no, he's writing it in the midst of chaos and disaster. Trouble with death all around. Remember, he wrote this for his children. He wrote this as a grace for his children, a poem of thanksgiving for his children to recite daily. And now look with me at the third line of the first verse. Who from our mother's arms hath blessed us on our way with countless gifts of love and still is ours 
today. Oh, the countless gifts of love. In one year, Pastor Martin conducted over 4,500 funerals. And one day, he did 50 all at once. And one of them was his wife, the mother of these children, who had died in the pestilence. And yet then, he was able to write these words in praise and thanksgiving to God, who from our mother's arms hath blessed us on our way with countless gifts of love. And get this last phrase, and still is ours today. Imagine with me that you're one of his children reciting this poem. At the very mention of your mother's arms, that safe place, that special place, but she's no longer here. She's no longer with you. You're no longer able to embrace her or to be held in her arms. But yet the truth of this poem is true. For from our mother's arms, they could say, God hath blessed us on our way with countless gifts of love and still is ours today. Imagine that last line as one who is motherless to know that your mother is not still with you today, but yet in it to be able to give thanks in spite of it for God's countless gifts of love. The song we could keep going on. We don't exegete songs very often, do we? but how rich many of the songs are that we have. And so as we consider this and know this history of this song, could we take, and could you play the piano for us? Could we sing this together? And as we sing it, may we truly from our hearts consider the grace we have received and give thanks to our God. It's hymn number 41.
Do we rejoice in his grace? Do we rejoice in his love? Psalm 77 verse 9 says this, Hath God forgotten to be gracious? Hath he in anger shut up his tender mercies? Selah. Selah means to think about it. You know what I love so much about God's word and his scriptures? Is the honesty of them. So often Christians have been accused of painting a pretty picture or describing things in, in nice ways um, when it's not really that nice. Even the song we just now sang. Some might say, oh, 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 the hypocrisy of that pastor and in teaching his children that. How could they say such words and, and, and proclaim such things that are absolutely not true? Think about it for a moment. So much of what was described in that song, peace, rejoicing, didn't exist in their world. Sometimes we see these things and we say, oh, why put a pretty face on it? Well, even the psalmist sometimes asks the question, hath God forgotten to be gracious? There are times when that question may well up in our hearts and our minds and in our bodies. Hath God forgotten to be gracious? Sometimes it doesn't feel like we've received grace. But it doesn't mean that God has forgotten to be gracious. He continues to be gracious. That's why we can declare, even when our bodies don't feel it, that God is gracious. That's why we can give thanks in everything. Because God is gracious even when it's a trial, even when it is difficult. God is still gracious. In fact, you don't have this in your hymnal, but this, the song the men sang, He giveth more grace. Did you follow some of those words? The theme of it is He giveth more grace. It's fascinating because the word giveth has the idea of grace, and grace is grace. The song there was, he giveth more grace when the burdens grow greater. Those burdens, those troubles, those difficulties, in every different society and culture and situation, they're different. In every family, the burdens are different, and you have unique burdens of which you are called to carry day by day. When you feel overwhelmed with all that weighted burden on you in life, and you ask yourself, hath God forgotten to be gracious? You know what the answer is? Just as those men sang, he giveth more grace when the burdens grow greater. He sendeth more strength when the labors increase. To added affliction, he addeth his mercy. 
the, the, the Joanne, the Anne, and, and Joanne's name carries the idea of grace and gracious and thanksgiving, but it also carries the idea of mercy. And in the midst of whatever we face, there is grace, and he adds his mercy. To multiply trials, his multiplied peace. His love has no limit, the chorus declares. His grace has no measure. His power has no boundary known unto man. For out of his infinite riches in Jesus, he giveth and giveth and giveth again. His grace is poured out upon us in no matter what we face. And sometimes we lose the power of it. Well, because we're not giving thanks for it. Because we're not giving thanks for it. We're not even looking for it. We'd rather grumble and complain through the burden or through the trial. And we miss that the grace is being poured out. And the whole meaning of grace is the asking for it, the receiving of it as a gift, and the response of thanksgiving. He giveth more and more and more grace. Do we accept it? Psalm 145 and verse 8 declares, The Lord is gracious and full of compassion, slow to anger, and of great mercy. Hath God forgotten to be gracious? No. The other question to ask ourselves is, have we forgotten to give thanks? Have we forgotten to give thanks for His graciousness? because his graciousness is guaranteed. Do we receive it? And do we respond with thanksgiving? The song the men sang in the second verse says this, when we have exhausted our store of endurance, when our strength has failed ere the day is half done, when we reach the end of our hoarded resources, our Father's full giving is only begun. That second verse is convicting to me. You know why? Because so often for me, I try. Note the word try. <laughs> Try doesn't guarantee success. Most of the time when we use the word try, we imply that it failed. I try to live my life honorably, honorably before God. I try to be the husband that I ought to be. I try to be that loving father whom I ought to be. I try to be the pastor that God has called me to be. But you know, there are so many times when I've exhausted the store of endurance 
I'm exhausted. My strength has failed. And no matter how much I hoard my resources, I'm empty. The song here says that it's in then that our Father's full giving is only begun. Why is this so convicting? Because really, <laughs> I wouldn't exhaust my resources if from the beginning I were depending upon His grace and His strength and all the gifts that He bestows upon me and in gratitude continue on. It doesn't mean that I'll never be tired. It doesn't mean that I'll never be at my uttermost exhaustion. There's been occasions in my life where there have been very difficult days. There have been very difficult weeks. There have been times where, though I go to bed, I don't sleep because of trials and difficulties in the which I find myself in the middle of. I had an experience once where I, I went from a, a Tuesday morning to a Friday night with probably less than two or three hours of sleep. It was an intense week of spiritual battle, difficulty, and then helping others. And I remember when I came to that Friday night, and it was finally a respite. I, find my, I found myself in a spiritual, con, a, a physical condition in which I couldn't even change out of my clothes. Utterly exhausted. But even in the midst of that moment, do you know what was amazing? was God's grace, God's strength, God the one holding me up and giving me the endurance I needed. I needed to be reminded of it. God used my wife in this situation to remind me. We were both in a similar state. We needed God's grace and God poured it We gave thanks. Really, what brought us out of the difficulty and lifted us above the difficulty, the difficulty remained. It didn't go, we didn't get to go away. Was worship. Was giving of thanks, of, of, of taking our eyes and our minds off of the problems and refocusing on Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, the one who has not forgotten to be gracious. You know, we're admonished in Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, in the race that we're running. I don't know if it's used as much nowadays, but have you ever heard an athlete or someone who is in some kind of a competition and they're running and they talk about they got a second wind? How many of you ever heard that phrase? They got a second wind? Yeah. You know... I love that phrase in the spiritual context because there are many occasions in which we're running the race of life and we're guaranteed a second wind. 
You know the word spirit is the same word for wind? The second wind in life, spiritually, is the Holy Spirit. Oh, and by the way, can I tell you something else? He ought to be our first wind too, not just our second wind. Running the race with him, with him, his grace going before us and holding us up. Take your Bibles and turn with me to to Numbers chapter 6. Numbers chapter 6. Many people have been confused when it comes to the topic of grace in relation to history in the Old Testament. Uh, There have been some who have mistakenly said or implied that in the Old Testament it it was an age of law and there was no grace. And that's not true. Grace has existed throughout all dispensations and in all time. Grace is real. In fact, some of the most glorious descriptions of grace actually occur in the Old Testament. And here we find one of them. It is a blessing. It is a benediction. And it is beautiful. Numbers chapter 6, look with me at verse 24 at this blessing. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon thee and be gracious unto thee. The Lord lift up his countenance upon thee and give thee peace. So often in life, we feel forgotten. And that's why we ask the question, hath God forgotten to be gracious? Well, here's the answer to that question in this benediction. No, he hasn't. For he sees all our needs. He beholds all of our problems. And he is gracious unto us. His mercy, his favor... His kindness, his strength, his goodness, and the truth of the matter, if we were to take and just unpack it, just all that's included in the idea and concept of grace, it's all the gifts of God. Grace is the gifts of God. All the gifts of God are brought upon us. And when we think of this idea of, of are we forgotten? Are we forgotten? No. Here, that's the meaning of this here, make his face shine upon thee. Do you realize what that means? It's referring to those times in which we may feel that we've been forgotten, that no one sees us, that no one knows our problems, our difficulties, and no one's able or willing to help us. How often does a child grab the face and pull it so they can 
so that daddy or mommy's face can shine upon them. I mean, you saw even Joanne here. She was trying to do that with me. And she's not even six months old. She wanted my face to shine upon her. Oh, she wants me to see her and to look at her, to, to pay attention to her. There's times when she's laying in her bassinet or something in the morning, and she's still happy, and, and she makes these little noises, these little noises. And, and you know what? I finally figured out what they are. They are, Mommy, Daddy, come look at me. Come talk to me. Because you get up and you look at her and you talk to her, and she's just, so oh, everything is wonderful. And it just makes my face shine. Well, you know, that's the way it is with us. When we're in our bassinets or we're in the pit of despair, do we still long for that shining face upon us to show us favor? Moses, whom this benediction was given, and to the priests and Levites, he had an opportunity to see the Lord in Exodus chapter 34. And in Exodus chapter 34 and verse 6, it says that the Lord passed by before him and proclaimed, the Lord, that is Jehovah, the Lord, Jehovah, God, merciful and gracious, long-suffering and abundant in goodness and truth. This is our Joanne. Jehovah is gracious. He is abundant in his goodness and truth. This is the reason why, in no matter what we face, we can trust him, we can hope in him. Joanne, Jehovah is gracious. May we be reminded every single day that Jehovah is gracious. He doesn't forget to be gracious, but it seems that sometimes we forget that he doesn't forget. And we forget to receive his grace to receive his goodness, to receive all of his gifts that he's just wanting to pour out upon us, if we'll but receive them. You know, one of the biggest ways of receiving them is giving thanks for them. And what's amazing about it is that I told you grace has the concept and the idea of asking for, supplication, and receiving, and giving of thanks. They're really all tied up together. But what's intriguing is, is that oftentimes we can understand and perceive the first two and we miss the third one of giving thanks. The grace isn't complete without that. It's all together. It is the asking, it is the receiving, and it is the giving of thanks. Are we a thankful people? Considering the fact as we looked back at the, the hymn writer of this song, and the trials and troubles they were in in which they could give thanks. Our troubles and trials and problems are so ever so tiny in comparison. I'm not saying that you don't and we don't have trials and problems. We do. But are we in the midst of them 
giving thanks for the grace of God that has been given to us. Our gracious God, we bow before you in thanksgiving. We are so grateful that you are Joanne. You are Jehovah gracious. Lord Jesus, when we consider that you have guaranteed that in the ages to come, you might pour out upon us the exceeding riches of your grace. May we avail ourselves to it even now in this day and whatever we're dealing with or facing. May we respond in receiving it with thanksgiving, for you are good. You have not forgotten to be gracious. You are gracious, and you are full of mercy and truth. And today, we give thanks for that. Lord, you know each individual trial that is in our midst. You know it. Your face sees it. For your saints, for your children, you stand ready to pour out your grace. May we be ready to receive it. May we receive it and not fail it, but receive it and move forward with grateful hearts, praising you, trusting you, knowing you, for you are good and gracious. Lord Jesus, I also pray this morning for those who are not your saints, those who are not your children, those who have not believed on you, have not received the forgiveness of sins and the Holy Ghost. Lord Jesus, I pray that you, through your Spirit, would convict them and show them that they need to be saved, that they need their sins forgiven, and that they need your grace. May they, by faith, Receive your grace this day, your salvation, and may this day all of us go forth singing and praising your goodness and grace. We need you, and we know that you will not leave us nor forsake us, and so we humbly bow before you in this day, and it's in your name that I pray. Amen.